Welcome to another episode of Funny and Handsome Guys. My name is Reggie, and with me as always, we have... I'm Kevin. I'm Chris. So tonight, we are discussing a um, major world event that we are currently in the midst of. Um, this would be the um, the 30th Olympiad, which... Um, uh, what's, what's the guy? Ryan, Ryan Penagos. He's the editor at Marvel.com. He, uh, he actually pointed this out, and I noticed it later that day. Um, but when you're TiVoing the Olympics, it actually is the XXX Summer Olympic Games. So, um, just, just a little, you know, fair warning for anybody who may have, like, parents coming over. Or, like, a girlfriend. <laughs> they don't, you know, you don't want to get caught watching the Triple X Olympic Games. Yipes. Well, what I would hope is that if you record it to your TiVo and it gets intelligence off of it and decides other shows for you to be watching, that it sees Triple X in there and decides that it needs to start suggesting other adult features for you to be watching. Either that or uh, like- movies that star Vin Diesel will probably pop up a lot. <laughs> that as well. Yeah, if, if your TiVo is like, oh, he likes the Triple X Olympics, I think I'm going to suggest other doses of hardcore pornography. He'd like that as well. That's why I don't own a TiVo. Does anybody own a TiVo anymore? Like, like, I have a TiVo. I have a TiVo. You have a TiVo? Because I have a, just the DVR that comes with, with cable, and it works fine, and... Do you, why why do you have a TiVo? Like this is totally off topic, but why do you have a TiVo? Um, before we had, before, uh, I want to say it was before we even had like digital cable. We had the TiVo. We had this TiVo for a while, and um, it's it's pretty neat. We actually have two now because um, through the magic of the interwebs, like they communicate with each other. Um, oh, that's through cool. the Wi-Fi. So like we could record something upstairs and then transfer it down here and watch it. Uh, watch it in the living room, which is pretty neat. All right. So it was just, I guess it was kind of a precursor to uh, to digital cable for us. Yeah. Yeah, the TiVo before the TiVo was cool. We're TiVo really hipsters. Cool. Yes, we are. We are <laughs> TiVo hipsters. Well, we're we're here and we're we're going to talk about the Olympics. Um, do you guys watch the Olympics a lot? More so at the beginning, and um, just just catching my favorite events, you know, when they air. But um, but yeah, yeah, I've been keeping up. I I've been doing what I can to keep up with the Olympics. I haven't watched as much as I thought that I would be watching. But I also feel like if I watch too much, then I'm going to become addicted, and then all of a sudden, you know, the Olympics are going to end, and I'm going to be looking for my fix. And there won't be anything to get my fix off of. Uh, You're going to be having late night uh, shot putt binges. Yes, exactly. Or, or you know, I'll sit there and I'll go, oh, you know, I, I saw these great Olympic sports and I, I can't watch them anymore. So maybe I'll just go out and try some of them myself, and which will likely result in myself being injured. So, Or, or y- late nights where, where you're... Uh... 
staying up really late to watch the uh, World's Strongest Man convent, uh, um, series on uh, ESPN2. Oh yeah, those things. I I I get sucked into them if I if they're on and I start watching, I can't stop. Why why aren't uh, why is not why why is carrying a large log not an Olympic sport? I I want to know. Well, these lifters are having difficulty as it is. I mean, you got like the one guy who his arm like snapped out of socket, and then you got the Russian guy who just like dropped the dumbbells on himself. Yeah, and apparently dropped it right on his neck. So, I mean, these people are obviously having trouble as it is. Have you guys ever seen the old SNL skit, The Steroid Olympics? (laughs) I have not seen that one, no. (laughs) The the sort of main uh, thing at the end is uh, the guy's going down to lift just this impossible barbell full of weight. And he leans over and he's, he's pulling as hard as he can. And he's got all these rippling muscles and everything. And then in the end, his arms just rip completely off. <laughs> it's a pretty good sketch. Recommended viewing if uh, you can find it on YouTube or something. We'll make sure we'll link to that one. Yeah, definitely. Um, have, have you guys been big Olympic viewers in the past? I uh, have. I have. I actually... Uh, 96 was a big year for me in, in terms of the Olympics and in terms of, you know, you had the dream team, you had all the gymnastics team, and those were sort of my two big hooks. And, I, you know, when, you, when you're living with your parents and your parents are Olympic fanatics, then you're by proxy also an Olympic fanatic. And my parents are hardcore Olympic watchers. And so when I was living with them, it was always like, the Olympics are on, we got to watch. Now that I'm not living with them, I'm like taking a little bit easier on the Olympics. It's it's interesting because like I've I've heard a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, the 96 Olympics, that that really like cemented it for me like in Atlanta." Um and like I I, I think it was the same with me. Like I remember watching them in um you know, or or following them when when uh not not while I was in school, but after you know, I, I think school had started shortly after the the Olympics had gone on, and um, like talking about stuff, and I don't know. It's it's interesting that 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 is sort of a touchstone. Like not not the two thousand and any any of the Olympics since then, but the ninety six Olympics. Well, I think that was the. Well, I think it was because we hosted that one. Well, we as, as that, well, USA. we also hosted the Utah uh, Olympics. Or the, the yeah Salt Lake Winter Salt Lake Olympics. City. So I mean, I, but I, I, I don't remember those as well. Well, that I remember Did that you? was the first one with like skeleton, and so like that's what pretty much everybody was talking about. Skeleton? Yeah, it, it's like a crazy luge where like you it, this guy just going head oh, first yeah. down this crazy steep sled. That's right. You know, practical stuff that everybody does in winter. I mean, because I, you know, when, as soon as the snow gets out, I'm like, hey, skeleton time. Let's, let's, it kind of reminds me of, uh, was it Men in Black 2? When he's like, flush me, Jay, flush me. And then you'd be like, nah. Nobody. And that's, all right, I guess it was more of an inside joke I, with Caitlin. 
I I disliked Men in Black 2 so much I've tried to erase it from my memory with one, what? Of, what? one of those flash machines. With one of the flash machines. I yeah, I hated that movie. Oh, it was so bad. Alright, alright. I guess I guess I'm alone on uh, Men in Black <laughs> Two Island, but that's okay. Cast away, Reggie. Um so, so what? What so far have you guys really been following uh, in this Olympics? I think that opening ceremony was really well done. Like, I was really entertained by it. Like, usually those kind of things are like boring. The March of Nations that took forever, but the the opening ceremony beforehand I thought was amazing. And to find out that there was like stuff that they cut out, like apparently there was a tribute to uh, to like victims of terrorist acts. Yeah. yeah. Um and that would have been really cool to see and I can probably find it on YouTube but I'm that it was it was really cool in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, I I agree. It was I mean Voldemort and all the other distinctly British elements. See, um see now I I disagree. I feel like it was a little too I don't know. Co- compared compared to China. Oh, China was insane, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I came into this thinking there's no way Britain could follow it up. And I don't think there was a way, but I think that they did it in a very distinctly British way that it was like, it doesn't matter, like, whether or not they're trying to follow it up. It was a very Danny Boyle way. It was. I just thought the fact that Dizzy Rascal had anything to do with it was awesome. Agreed. <laughs> I I will also agree that was pretty cool. Well, one one thing that I've found that has not been cool has been the the coverage, the way that NBC has covered the Olympics. Um, between all the you know, granted, everything's happening at an eight hour time difference, so we're finding out about this stuff way before it actually airs on TV for the most part. Even though some of the stuff on some of the other like NBC offshoot channels is airing some of it live during the afternoons, we're mostly finding out about how the results of these events before they actually air on NBC. Uh, and you know, a lot of people were complaining about it, and they're still complaining about it. And you know, not a whole lot that NBC can do about it. If you want to see these key events, you pretty much have to wait until prime time for those to actually happen. But one of the more one of the worst things that I heard about was that during one of the uh, gymnastics competitions, the the women's gymnastics competitions, NBC actually cut out a portion of the Russian team's performance that where they visibly screwed up in an effort to make it seem like there was a much much closer competition between the U.S. and Russia. I hadn't heard about that. That's interesting. Yeah, so they to add to the tension, they cut out some scenes where like someone fell off a balance beam or something and really cost the Russians a whole lot of points, and they just left left that out so it seemed like, oh, this is a really close match. Yeah, that's, that's not so much news reporting as it is, you know, more entertainment at that point then. Yeah. Or sports yeah, covers, I should say. Very unethical to me. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I feel all right with the idea that, sure, we have to wait 
to watch these events. That's understandable given that they're all the way in London. But if yeah. you're going to edit something like that, you know, that, that just doesn't seem right. No, not at all. Speaking of things felt- in the Olympics that don't seem right, have you guys taken a good hard look at the logo? I'm going to pull it up right now. I, I have taken a, a pretty good look at the logo, yes. Uh, th- are you talking about the mascot? I, I've just seen it. I've seen, people People at work were bringing it up, and then I looked at it myself, and I was like, oh, wow. But um, I'm, I'm not sure if it's the mascot or what, but um, I'm, I'm sure we'll find but, a picture to link to it. But it looks like Bart and Lisa Simpson being very friendly with each other. That's interesting. I... I didn't see that one. Uh, the the Olympic mascot though looks like a penis. Well, then that it all ties together then. <laughs> oh shit! It does. Wow, that looks. It looks like it looks like uh, Bart and Lisa. That's horrifying. <laughs> can't can't be unseen. It really can't. That's wow. It's like the Resident Evil Six logo looks like a angry giraffe, but I'm not going <laughs> to get into that right now either. Oh yeah. Uh, so anything so far that has been like a total highlight for you? My personal highlight has been all the coverage of Ryan Lochte. Oh, God. Ryan Lochte, who, who, if you don't know, is a men's swimmer, is on the men's Olympic swimming team, U.S., um, has gotten a reputation for being a total and complete douchebag. Yeah. And his mom even recognizes this fact. And she said things like, my son has sex with so many women. And he doesn't have time for uh, a relationship. He has one night stands. Yes. All these one night stands. The guy is, if you've watched an interview with him, he isn't the brightest bulb in the shit. No, he's not. To say the least. And... Uh, I'm just consistently amused by his antics. He wore a uh, an American flag grill in his mouth. After- well, he was he was forbidden from wearing one up to the, uh, the podium. Uh, podium, yeah, yeah, yeah. He tried to wear it on the podium, and they told him he couldn't do it. But every, uh, just in general, sort of around when he's flashing his medal around, he's got those uh, got that grill in. Which have you ha, have you seen the uh, Olympic roar? Who, um, well, his his shorts left nothing to the imagination when he came out. And Where to give a, he claims that it was not an erect penis in his swimsuit; that it's just his normal, larger than average penis. I don't think it's normal, larger than normal. Like, have you? It, it, the 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 no. I've heard guys use that excuse before, so I, I, I guess it'll <laughs> work. I mean, we couldn't see it in three D, so we don't know exactly what the 
bulge situation was officially like, but in the photos, it doesn't look very uh, pleasant. Well, but that's just me talking. I, I'm going to show you something here, and we'll link to it. It's basically a photo analysis of a, a website, uh, Jezebel, one of the Gawker websites. Um, I, I was shown this. I'm, I'm not seeking this out, I swear. Um, where where they basically take the uh, the the metal hanging over that, that he just received and use that as sort of like visual uh, perspective and that that is disturbing it is it's really disturbing can't unsee this and I, I had to show you because I can't unsee it and... thank you for cursing my eyes Kevin no problem no problem we should call this episode the unseen or, or can't be unseen Olympics. <laughs> <laughs> this is well, the side of the Olympics you've never seen before. <laughs> um, so top five for this week are top five favorite Olympic sports. Uh, Reggie... What is your number five top favorite uh, Olympic sport? I'm sorry, I was getting my notes together. Um, <laughs> I, uh, as always, I, I interpreted the top five uh, very loosely, um, which totally is the purpose. And um, I, I don't know if you guys heard or saw anything about this, but um, I can't. I I should have. I'll find an I'll find a, an article and I'll post it in the companion uh, companion post, but. There was a fencing match where I guess um, a, a guy got like tagged in his butt, and so like he was complaining about it, and they were trying to see if like that like if it was a point or not. So the guy literally takes the other the the guy he's competing against. He takes his foil and is like jamming it in his butt to prove to the judges. And there's like so like I've seen gifs of it all over. Tumblr, just because it, like, out of context, it looks so ridiculous. So, um, so, yeah, my number five, uh, my number five is fencing, for that reason, <laughs> that reason alone. That's impressive. Fascinating choice, uh, for a fascinating reason. Okay, so my number five, and this is... Just sort of a, a an all encompassing uh, category here. It's I I'm pretty loose on on my top five. Like I I'm not a huge sports follower. I do enjoy watching the Olympics. I've I've enjoyed watching the Olympics um, since I was a kid, and we were following the Lilyhammer uh, Winter Olympics. And um, Lindsay's gotten me back into. Uh, uh, watching the Olympics this year, but just in general, uh, I, I like any event that involves shooting, uh, shooting a gun. If it, if it shoots, I like it. And, uh, I'm a little bit disappointed this year because the, uh, pentathlon no longer uses an actual gun. And this is because in England, it's so difficult to, 
get a gun for uh, personal use, which, you know, you can debate whether or not that's right or not. Like, I'm not going to get into that. But um, we uh, – they they, they now use laser guns, basically laser tag guns for the pentathlon. It's the future. I mean, it's the natural progression of things. Of course, in the future, we would be using laser tag guns. It, it does give a, a sort of uh, 1980s um, terrible sci-fi movie uh, feel to it, doesn't it? Well, Star Wars, they use laser guns. Yeah, but I just feel like we we probably saw laser gun Olympics in some terrible 1980s movie. That's true. That's probably true. So you don't have any specific sport in mind, or is it the pentathlon, or is it just any sport where they shoot guns? Um, I like the pentathlon. That 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 was my favorite up until this year. Um, uh, there, there, there's there's all sorts of them, like trap shooting, skeet shooting. Um, insert dirty joke here. Uh, outdated, outdated, dirty joke here. Um, skeet, skeet, skeet. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's quite a few. I, I shot a little bit when I was in uh, college in the r- rifle team, so I, I personally actually have a, a, a uh, personal connection to it. I guess, like, I, I think that it's impressive and, um. Yeah, so any anything involving shooting. You, you were on a rifle team in college? Uh, for ROTC, like the first year that I was there, um, I wasn't on the team. I mean, I was on the team. Anybody that showed up was on the team. Um, and I competed once. So it was a ROTC thing, not, it, yeah. not like a separate, just in general, people getting together to shoot some rifles. Well, that that would be a gang. <laughs> so what well, you're telling us is that um, if we have our own like Walking Dead situation, that you're going to be our Andrea. Maybe, and 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 we'll 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 get to that later on in this broadcast. All right, sounds good. <laughs> uh, my number five Olympic sport is dressage, otherwise known as horse dancing. Now, you may be wondering, why dressage, why horse dancing? (laughs) Well, there's a pretty perfectly simple explanation for this. Um, A, I think that it is probably the most boring of the Olympic sports. But then why would I put it on this top five list, you ask? Well, because... It's so boring, it's actually amusing. That That's sort of my, my logic there. Uh, I've watched a video on YouTube, which you should search for. It's called Hip Hop Dressage. And it is dressage set to hip hop music. And that is awesome. Is it like edited in later or was it like as part of the competition? It was edited in later. 
but the 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 video is like the horse moves perfectly to the beats in the song and it's pretty awesome just watching i and i was thinking you know if all dressage was like that then it would be one of the most wo- most watched sports on the olympics i think but you know between that and the fact that Mitt Romney's wife has a dressage horse competing in the Olympics. That alone, that that also completely amuses me for reasons entirely different than what I've already stated. So his wife isn't competing in the dressage. Well, she specifically is not the the horse that. Oh oh owns. oh! So she's not the horse. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. I was just trying to get that straight. Yes, she is not the horse. Mitt Romney is not married to a horse. Re- Reggie, what's your number four Olympic sport? My number four would um, would definitely be gymnastics um, for more, I guess, more serious practical reason. Um, I remember Carrie Strug. What was that? like? I, I want to say it was before 96 even. It was probably, it was probably in 92. Was that Barcelona? I, I, I think it was... 96. Was it not? Yeah. Or no. Maybe not. I think it, I'm, I'm almost positive it was before that. Cause I was still, um, Oh no, it was 96. It was 96. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, she, she the badass. She stuck it in her, her ankle. Right. Yeah. She was like hobbling and crying. And she was like, I can't do it. And her coach, Bella, I can't remember his last name, but he was like this. Bella Caro- Caroli. Bella yeah, yeah. Lugosi. No, that's the wrong guy. Yeah, <laughs> definitely definitely not Bella Lugosi. <laughs> um, but I just remember him like like saying, like, you can do it. Like a lot of people were saying, like, you know, maybe he was being a little hard on her. But obviously she had the potentials. Obviously she could do it. And she did it. And she stuck it. And that was amazing to me. I think that that kind of thing has inspired me since I saw it. So, and then, uh, a Gabby Douglas, like I got to watch her, um, her like gold medal winning a routine. And I mean, to go along with the thing earlier about the, the NBC reporting everything earlier, um, that one I got spoiled for me. I mean, not that I cared, not that I was like super like, oh, I'm going to watch gymnastics tonight and I better not have it spoiled for me. But like, I remember I got a notification on my phone and it was just like, Gabby Douglas wins gold. So uh, I guess at the, uh, at the risk of my masculinity, I'm going to put gymnastics on my list. I, I don't think that's uh, a threat to your masculinity at all. I, I also don't think so. Have, have you guys and, and and we've we've already uh addressed the the penis roar uh issue so we're we're obviously all very secure in our our heterosexuality um but but have you ever noticed that like the men's gymnastics is just a little bit like that much more hardcore and some like you can you can appreciate female gymnastics because um there's much more of an emphasis on dancing and whatnot. And so there's a more, more art to it, I guess, but men's gymnastics, like based on the fact that they're, that they're increased 
you know, expectations, there are increased expectations for them to like perform physically, you know, there, there's just this crazy, they're just really strong and I would not want to like meet one in a dark uh, alley. Well, you know, men's gymnastics, I feel, I, I feel are not very good and not very important, even though they are impressive athletes. I feel like gymnastics is more about grace and men are not so much graceful, not, not exactly graceful gender. Well, well, I should probably qualify my statement that I would not want to meet a, a male gymnast in a, in a dark alley by the fact that I would also not want to meet a female gymnast in a dark alley because even though they're like four foot nothing, like that'd be like the scariest midget to meet in an alley. I think they prefer the term little people, Kevin. Possibly. Possibly. I Maybe I should bleep that out in the interest of PCness. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, my number four uh, Olympic event is Taekwondo. Um, can, can I ask you real quick, Kevin? Have you ever actually seen Taekwondo on the Olympics? Yeah, I have actually. Okay. Um, and actually, uh, the reason that I am, am selecting Taekwondo as uh, an Olympic sport for, like, one of my favorite Olympic sports um, is because when I was very young... Um, They're coming for you. Yeah, hold on a sec, sorry. Um, this is what you get for living down the street from the uh, police station. Um, anyway, so so when I was much younger, um, the uh, uh, Olympic, I, I believe it was the gold medalist, he was either the gold or silver medalist um, from the USA, actually went to my grade school. And so he came back and... Um, so we were all very, very excited to see him and it was very much the karate kid. Like it was this, this little, I think it was, a, you know, it, it was just sort of like a smart ass that, that got into Taekwondo and, and did well. And it's, it's pretty cool because like they're flipping people and, and it's kind of awesome because like, you're not supposed to punch the face, but you can kick the face. So that's okay. So, Taekwondo, that's that's mine. All right. Sounds sounds good. Uh now to to perfectly clarify here, we're we're not only doing summer olympics, right? It could be winter too. I I have some winter ones on my list. Okay, good. Because my number 4 pick is the uh ski shooting. Kevin, you you mentioned your liking of guns in the Olympics. Well, I like the one where they ski, and then they stop, and then they shoot at something, then they keep skiing, then they stop, and they shoot again. That that sort of sport, if you will. I feel like it emphasizes the best things about skiing and shooting guns. I agree. Don't they if have to shoot like... between, the heart, between the beats of their heart? Uh... I'm almost positive. That's probably true. 
Kevin, do you know if that's the case? I, I didn't catch what you said. I'm sorry. Oh, well, no, it was my bad because I was a jerk and I cut you off anyway. But No, no, I you you just sort of broke up there when I was – so I didn't catch what you were saying. Oh, that, that in that event, when you shoot, it's supposed to be between the beats of your heart. Like you have to wait like boom, 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 bang, boom, 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 boom. Um, that's, that's what I hear is the way to do it for the best, uh, accuracy, but hell if I could ever do something like that, like I, I'm, I'm not sure if that's standard practice for ski shooting. Certainly not a requirement, I don't think. No. They, they would have to be measuring your heartbeats. But yeah, for, for best accuracy. And I think, uh, the last winter Olympics, the U S won gold in that uh, event, which is pretty awesome. So that's my number four, Reggie. What's your number three? My number three is curling. Um, it's, it's a winter sport, but I, I mean, it's not the first time that it's been in the Olympics, but it's it's like the kind of thing that you'll never get used to seeing because it's so weird. Like, every time you see it, you just kind of want to giggle a little bit. Like, you know, if it's on the TV, you're just kind of like, <laughs> curling. Because you got, like, the one guy who, like, um, he gets in, like, the Spider-Man pose, and he slides with, like, the big stone with the handle on it. And the meanwhile, like, everybody else is, like, brushing the ice, like, brushing, 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 and then they stop, and then, like, they can tell, like, what angle the, the stone's gonna go at, so then, like, they'll start, like, celebrating right away, and it's like, man, like, I, I don't think anybody has ever celebrated after after a, a, a job of sweeping that much, like, outside of that sport. It's, it, it's, it's definitely a sight. It's interesting, because curling was, uh, it was only a demonstration sport um, up until, what was it, 98 or something like that? Or no, yeah, no. Somewhere around... 2006. 2006 was when it was uh, made a, an official official game. But then they decided that the uh, games that they, they played in... Um, Like the the nineteen twenties or whatever were also considered, even though they were demonstration games. Then they decided that those actually counted for Olympic credit uh, credibility or whatever. So, did they posthumously award medals to those people? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Like, even though I'm and, sure most of them are probably dead. Yeah, they 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 were they were basically said that that it was. They were official Olympic winner uh, winners. Although, I mean, they were it was a demonstration event, but like, I I don't know how that works. Okay, what what's your number three, Kevin? My number three is boxing, which, again, you know, I I, I think you probably see a uh, a theme going here. You're very, all about all very violent picks, beating people I... up and shooting them. <laughs> No, for real though, like boxing, I I I am not really the sort that follows boxing in um 
any of the the heavyweight titles or anything like that. But when it comes to the Olympics, uh, it just is interesting to me to see like countries coming together and beating the crap out of each other. Um, I was actually watching it on TV here just a couple days ago. So the boxing boxing would be it for me. They call it the sweet science for a reason. <laughs> so it's it's very technical. Yeah, it's too bad they don't have any of the, you know, like, uh, main boxing people in there, do they? Like, you know, your Mayweathers and your Pacquiao's aren't fighting, right? No, I believe that, for the most part, like, generally speaking, if you're competing in the Olympics, I, I don't know exactly how it works, but I always thought that you weren't supposed to compete in the Olympics if you were a professional in that sport but somehow they get away with it for the the dream team yeah basketball definitely pro athletes and the more important or not important i shouldn't say more important but the funny thing to me about that is that all these guys from around the world come to the nba to play and then come olympics time oh hey no my name's pogasol i want to play for spain I don't necessarily know that they want to play for their home countries. I think they're forced to. But how do you make the distinction? Uh, same thing with Tony Parker. Tony Parker's playing for France this, this time around. Like, well, I mean, if if you're born in, in that country, like Joe Kim Noah was supposed to go and play for, I, was it France? No, yeah, Noah, I think he is playing for France. I'm almost positive. No, he he was injured. He he couldn't do it. Oh, okay. I thought, but okay. Well, never mind. <laughs> but I mean, I I just think that if you are born in a foreign country, then you're pretty much required to go back there if you're like a professional, especially in basketball, go back there and play for their team. If they'll have you. If they'll have you. Okay. Uh, my number three pick is synchronized diving. Uh, this is a new event for this year's Summer Olympics. And I don't know if either of you guys watched the synchronized diving. Yes, I on, do. But it's pretty cool. Pretty cool looking, at least. It's hardcore. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, watching a single person dive is one thing, but watching two people try and do the same thing at the same time going off a diving board is... It, it takes a certain set of skills, I think. Uh, a certain different set of skills. And so, I thought it was pretty impressive. Um, and I, I kind of like a lot of the swimming events in general, but I think the synchronized diving stands out most to me this year probably because it's new and because it's sort of different than what you would otherwise get. Uh, while we're talking about diving, did you, either of you guys see the horrible, horrible 0.0 dive that the German yes. diver did? Yes. <laughs> it looked painful. I got to look that up. <laughs> it oh, was man. hilarious. I found it <laughs> hilarious. But at the same time, I was thinking that guy got a 0.0 for that dive. But my dives are so much worse than what that guy did that I w there's no way that I could even 
score any points in the Olympics whatsoever. If I were, (laughs) if I were in a diving competition, not that I'm anywhere near professional, not that I've even tried to swim in a pool in the last year, but still I was never the best diver, but mm. yeah, you gotta, you gotta think, well, I could probably get lucky and do better than that. Takes a certain kind of skill. <laughs> so Reggie, what's your uh, my number? My number two pick, which I just did a little bit of research on and found out that Misty May Trainer and Carrie Walsh. They are now three-time gold medal champions in beach volleyball. And those two... What's up, Chris? I was going to say round of applause for them. Yeah, like that's... I love those two. And I love watching them do what they do. Unfortunately, I can't anymore. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm happy for them, and they deserve to go out on top. So beach volleyball, um, I watched it, it, I was really happy that it was one of the events that started out right away. So I got to watch it, uh, this year, but even like four years ago, man, I was like, uh, we were at a party one time and it just so happened to be that beach volleyball was on and I made like everybody like stop and watch it and, and, and pay attention. Like I was, I was so hardcore into it. So I'm, I'm really, uh, yeah. Uh, Caitlin wants me to point out that just the women's beach volleyball, because the men's beach volleyball, I obviously don't don't give a crap about. <laughs> um, I wonder why that is. Well, well, here's the thing. Like, I've told people how much I admire, like, Misty May and Carrie Walsh, and then, like, I bring them up on Google and show them, and people are like, ugh, like, are you serious? And I'm like, you need to see them in action. Like, you need to see them do what they do, and it just changes your opinion that's, I, that's that's just how I feel. But yes, beach volleyball was my number two. Kevin, what's your number two? My number two is uh, it, it's it's actually going to be gymnastics. Um, I mean, it, it's probably one of the most watchable sports for the Olympics. I mean, just the 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 drama. There's always drama. There's always like. A sense of holy crap! These these are usually teenage girls who like are doing things that you just you see that their their bodies move and it's just like I how do, how does it how does it happen like that? And this is one of the few times where where a guy can be like I have no idea how her body moves like that, and it's not at all like skeevy at all. You know, I can say that. I'm okay with saying that. It's like, holy shit, like, you see the way that girl is is doing the splits. And and I'm not, I'm not, like, checking her out. It's just like, holy shit, I, my body hurts, like, watching it. So, but, I mean, like, I was, and it's not just the female Olympics. It's, it's the men's Olympics, too. Like, I was watching the high bar last night, and... It's crazy. Like these guys are are swinging around and flipping and um, twisting in the air, and 
I have no idea how they do it. No idea. But it's it's pretty incredible. And so, yeah, gymnastics, my number two. All right. My number two is, ironically, also gymnastics. Um, it is, however, specifically women's gymnastics. I've mentioned already my general sort of distaste for men's gymnastics. Uh, mostly... The reason being is I feel it's a gymnastics is a sport of grace and not that men aren't entirely graceful creatures, but you know, it it takes a certain kind of man, I guess. But, um, yeah, I feel like the, the women's gymnastics really do emphasize all those important things and to see these tiny, little girls and in many ways they are girls because they're they're teenagers once you get past a certain age you're basically no longer good enough to be in the olympics for whatever reason uh you know i i do miss like uh, nastia lukin this year uh i i really enjoyed her performances a couple of years ago uh but this year has their own breakout stars you know your your gabby douglas your ali raisman uh, did you guys see the uh, Allie Raceman's parents in the stands? Yeah. Getting all excited about her uh, performance. Come on, come on, do it, do it. Yes. That that was amusing, amusing stuff, uh, among other things. Uh, but the imp- uh, performances are very impressive. And, um, you know, that... <laughs> I always think when I think about women's gymnastics, the episode of Seinfeld where Jerry dates a former Russian Olympic gymnast and uh, Kramer's like, the flexibility, Jerry, the flexibility. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, Jerry's always like, I always thought that, you know, she would use my penis as, you know, like the bar on, you know, a parallel bar or something. And, uh, <laughs> but you know, it, it's impressive. And the, the way that they move, as you mentioned, Kevin is. There's, I, there's something like unnatural about it, but it's impressive. It, you know, my body certainly can't bend in the ways that their bodies bend. And I don't want to sexualize it. I, I'm trying not to, but, in some ways, you know, kind of makes me feel like a pedophile. Well, there there was the one year that um, the pedo bear was mistaken as uh, as the Olympic mascot. <laughs> so maybe it's all appropriate. <laughs> maybe. What, what's your number one, Reggie? Um, my number one would be snowboarding because um, a lot of people think he's overrated. A lot of people think he's ugly or whatever. But Sean White is an amazing athlete. Um, he, uh, last year in, uh, in Vancouver, not last year, last, how, two years ago, two years ago, um, he, he had already won gold. He had already won gold. Everybody knew it. So he goes into his third run for, uh, for a half pipe and, he uh, he was working on this trick. I think it's called a double cork. 
and everybody knew he was working on it, so it was so anticipated. He hits this crazy trick, lands it, and this dude had already won gold, and he got a perfect score for that. So the fact that this dude already got already got his gold medal, and it was just like, yeah, now watch this, and and totally took it home. That to me is probably one of my favorite Olympic moments in history. And I just wish he put out better video games. Because I like the guy, <laughs> and I want to support him, but his games are not that great. Even the skateboarding one was horrible. So, he needs to get his... If only his games were um, were comparable to his Olympic performance. So, maybe that's something... You know, he he's reached Olympic perfection. Now, he needs to strive for perfection in other realms. So, snowboarding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do want to say that uh, had I had a number six on my list, snowboarding would have been on there for pretty much the exact reasons you outlined, Reggie. And he has his own flavor of gum, which isn't the best, but, you know, hey, you can't be the best at everything, I guess. <laughs> so, um, my number one is archery uh, and swing this all back around to what we were discussing at the beginning of our, our talk here. Um, I, I, I was actually raised my, my uncle um, got me into archery. I, I did a little bit of uh, co- competition when I was much younger. Um, I don't actually know if I was any good, but it was fun. And, then in 1996 at the Atlanta Games, there was this archer there, uh, Justin Hush. Uh, it's it's spelled H-U-I-S-H. Um, came in and he got the gold medal, and I remember seeing it and it just being incredible. Like the guy was was describing his his training regimen. And basically what he did was he set up the, the, the target and then he shot from a certain distance. And then once he was getting all bullseyes there, he brought it back five, you know, where he was shooting from five feet further back and started shooting from there. And then he did it again and he did it until he was like out in the street shooting and getting like nothing but bullseyes. And I just thought the whole thing was really incredible. Um, I think watching archery is a very subtle, but very like really riveting uh, uh, sport to watch. Um, Usually it's on if if it's being broadcast, you can catch it during the day broadcasts on one of the non main channels. Sometimes it'll be on the main channel. uh, That's, the main NBC channel. Um, but usually it's on one of their affiliates. Um, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of, uh, a lot of drama in it. And, um, a few years back, uh, Justin Hush, um, was busted for marijuana possession, but, his his defense was all about how he was actually 
giving the marijuana to an HIV treatment uh, for an HIV treatment for a patient, um, which I have no idea if, if that actually – if he actually pulled it out uh, – pulled it off. Pulled it out, yeah. Um, so he was Robin Hooding the marijuana. What's that? So so basically he was playing Robin Hood with the marijuana. Yes, he was he was playing Robin Hood with marijuana. He was literally playing Robin Hood with <laughs> the marijuana. But uh and then I mean Gina Davis also competed in archery or she she was actually on the alternate team like she, I, she didn't actually compete. She was on the Olympic team. But I just thought that was pretty crazy especially when I was a very young lad and Beetlejuice was like my favorite movie of all time. Uh, I, I had a huge crush on Gina Davis. And so Gina Davis was, uh, the, the archery gal. And I, I thought that was pretty neato. These days though, you're, you're totally on board with hunger games though, right? Uh, I'm totally on, I, I love hunger games and, uh, 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 the green arrow. The TV yes. show that's coming out with for that. Yes, indeed. Katniss inspired. That's true. So what's your number one, Chris? My, my number one uh, has already been mentioned. It is uh, women's beach volleyball. Um, for many of the reasons that, that Reggie outlined, um, there was a lot of controversy this year about the women's beach volleyball volleyball uniforms. Uh, because I guess they were given the option of going with something less than a bikini, less revealing, I should say, than a bikini. And I'm very happy to report that most everyone denied such a such modesty and felt like the bikinis really were the way to go. They give you the best uh, flexibility and, and the best ability to uh, stay cool in the hot London sun, which I'm sure it's, you know, super hot out there. The beach in London is very, very popular, I'm sure, given their climate. Uh, But that being said, I do admire the beach volleyball players. I watch their sport with great enthusiasm. I will even watch their sport when it's not the Olympics. If you've got a beach volleyball game going at the beach at at North Avenue beach in Chicago, I'll go out there and watch it. So long as, you know, there are women playing. Uh, (laughs) And now I sound like a total pervert. So (laughs) we've, we've gone down this road, Chris long, long before this, that, that is true. Uh, But those are, you know, my main reasons it takes a certain amount of talent though to to be very good at beach volleyball and i i like to think that especially this year the u.s team has done some great great work so good on them it's my number one pick so awesome all right well moving right along um this week's album of the week is Charlotte Gambino's royalty mixtape. Um, I uh, well, actually, actually, Kevin, I want to hear 
what you thought of it. Uh, well, let's listen to a track first. What, what do you guys think would be the the best track for us to play here? I I can't pick just one. I, I say we should play the whole thing front to back. <laughs> well, it is available for free. It is a mixtape available for free. If you Google it, you can find it. I'm sure we'll link to it here in our companion post. All right, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw one out there. R.I.P. Rest in peace to them niggas who was dead wrong. Tony Braxton to them niggas, that's a sad song. Cry a river, timber lake, the whole industry. Record the whole album in my living room in Italy. Niggas who wasn't feeling me secretly want a handout. Keep your mouth shut, I could probably help your man out. Drop a new stack, all lanes get to stepping. Drop a new track, all blogs go to heaven. Kill a web, man, these niggas need they hits up. Kiss a neck, add a dime to the tip cup. She is not slut. Fuck a doodle said so. Just because she's fucking doesn't mean she ain't a lady. Kill the whole stage, I never needed a mic check. Seeming on my space bar, fucking tired of Skype sex. Running with a new breed, me and Bum B. This hip hop nation, that big country. Nigga, please, we ain't stop for no one. Wu Tang generator name, I'm a showgun. Wu Tang generator name, watch them smoke one. Talk a lot of shit, but none of them will approach them. Gambino got first position, the game is bad. Okay, so so my my reaction to this, um, it's very different from Camp, which, as a mixtape, it should be because you know it's a chance for for Gambino to uh, or Glover. What, I I don't know what we're gonna refer to him as. Um, for those of you who don't know, Childish Gambino is uh, the MC alter ego of uh, Donald Glover from uh, he, he's a comedian who's who's on Community. He was in the uh, comedic sketch comedy group uh, Derek Comedy. He was a writer for Thirty Rock. Um, for some reason, I still see like uh, former writer of Thirty Rock Donald Glover. I'm like he's in Community. He was it was in so he's uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, it's Donald Glover. He his last uh, his last album was Camp, um, which was about what was that nine months ago, something like that. Yeah, some something like that. Uh, and that was his his full release or his full full album. Uh, and Royalty is his latest mixtape. And I'm going to say that it's, it's very different from camp, and I think a lot of people are going to be very polarized by it, um, especially because he's going down a route that camp, a lot of people are like, oh, that's hip-hop and this is rap. Um, he's a rapper. He's, he's always been a rapper, and I think that here his rapping is much better, but whether or not it is something that strikes me if I'm able to like latch onto as well. I'm, I'm not sure. Like he's, he's, a, he's a good writer. Um, he's got still got some of the clever lines and hooks. Um, but here he brings in all these, these cameos, uh, including Beck and Tina Fey for a line. Um, 
you know, he's bringing in all of his, his famous friends and it was a lot of not so famous friends, uh, to rap on it with him and, uh, help him produce it. Um, and it doesn't quite feel like the, the unified effort that, that camp was, um, camp for all its faults, you know, felt very much a unique voice. And this one feels like it's much more, he's evolving as an artist, but because of the, the experimentation he's doing here, it doesn't feel very much like, like, you can really latch onto it and, and cruise through it as an album. There are a few songs that will, will catch you and it will probably work well as like mixed in with, with a bunch of other songs, but listening through it, I, I'm, I don't think it's, I don't think it's a step backwards for him from camp, but I don't necessarily think it's a full step forward. Like his, his talent for rapping is, is definitely, better here but he steps back in other ways hmm I totally disagree with you you totally, you totally disagree. disagree um it is different from camp it's different but I feel like different in a in a better way because camp was very much um it it like you were like you were saying it was a, a next step in the progression but Hearing royalty, it made me feel like he was really dissatisfied with it because um, the royalty mixtape, it it is definitely more. I know you kept saying you can't latch onto it. I feel like you totally can. I feel like it's more it, it's more universal. It's more mainstream. I feel like it. Um, I feel like listening to a Childish Gambino track might be polarizing in the sense like uh, like for instance um, the single from from Camp. Um, uh, the first one was, um, Bonfire. And I feel like I could play that for people and they would like, you know, say, uh, all right, okay. And I feel like there are tracks from royalty I can play and they'd be like, yes, certainly. Yes. Um, I kind of feel like any, any kind of album or mixtape like this, um, the guest roster speaks for itself. He has Bun B, several members from the Wu-Tang Clan, Danny Brown, um, uh, Beck. I mean, these are people all across the board. So to me, that makes him a more universal rap artist because, you know, it's not just like your, your T-Pains and your Young Jeezys. Like, he has people from all across the board, not even just in hip-hop, but in music. And to me, it works so well. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm saying that I liked it. I mean, I'm... I, I should clarify. I, I guess I was... I liked Camp, which a lot of people didn't, but... I loved um, Camp. I thought Camp was great. You liked Camp. Yeah. Um, and this is this is very different, and you can definitely... I agree with you 100% that I, I do hear this and, and, and can tell that he, he's not... He was not satisfied, was not entirely happy with how Camp turned out. And he, he's going in this, this new direction. It's not even new. It's just a, an evolved direction. Um, it's, it's like he's, he's getting closer to the albums that he wants to make. You know, he's, he's, he's held back by the fact that he is this actor who's known for comedy. Um, at one point, he, he I, I don't remember the exact line or which song it was in, uh, but 
he says, I used to, or, or telling jokes is how I used to, um, used to be my job or something like that. Um, and so you can really tell that this is, is, uh, more of an evolution of him as an artist, as, as a rapper. And I can appreciate that. Um, if anything, he he's evolving in his in his rapping, and he's, he's he's improving a lot over camp. Like you don't get the the hashtag raps is uh, that, that that he had in camp, where where he like punctuates a, a line with with some like reference um, that that is some usually it's some sort of attempt at, at a joke or something. Um, he does do that. Like, I remember there was a line, he said something about Ice King, no more Finn and Jake. And that made me laugh out loud when I heard it. Oh, no, oh, no he still does it. I'm just saying that he's not doing it quite as much. Like, I, I remember it. he did it a lot in camp, and this one, I only caught it, like, a couple times, a few times. Chris, what did you think? Well, you know, I, I wanted to hear, you know, sort of what you guys were going to say about this before I weighed in. Um, and it's interesting to me uh, the way that you guys talked about it. it. In my personal opinion, I feel like Camp was, I don't want to call it a terrible album, but I want to say that it was not very good. Um I felt like there were some serious issues with it. I felt like, you know, there there were way too many puns and like grown worthy puns. Yeah. And, and moments that, you know, lines like, you know, he, he said, uh, I die for my hood, Trayvon. Uh, that's, that's not exactly, uh, it doesn't feel like a good thing to be saying. <laughs> Uh, in a track, even though I understand he probably meant it with respect, uh, I didn't feel like it was quite as respectful as he had hoped it was going to come out sounding. Um, and one of the good things I think about royalty is that he does tone that down a lot and that, you know, while, while there are still lines, like he'll, he'll say used to take the cue home. Now I hang with schoolboy. I mean, that's kind of so so um i do think he's gotten better i think that he has realized some of the mistakes that he made with the last album and gone about working uh to correct those mistakes or at least make them less obvious than they were on camp uh which is a very good thing i think and points to much more promise i think for him in terms of uh, uh an artist Versus, you know, otherwise, if, if we had been talking solely about camp, I would just be telling you, you know, he should just stick to, you know, doing TV and stand wow. But I feel like he's with with royalty. He's done a lot better by himself. He's established himself that much more. And the fact that he has this really impressive roster of guest stars. He really know, does. With everybody from RZA to Ghostface uh, to even to some some new like new people like Kilo Kish. I'm a huge Kilo Kish fan. I'm really looking forward to what Kilo Kish is going to be doing coming up. 
She reminds I, me I of think... Kitty Pride. You know, uh, like she has a similar like cadence and tone, I think, to Kitty Pride. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I also uh, I like Kitty Pride less, but I I have some respect for Kitty Pride as well. But the fact that he has all these guests that they agreed to do these tracks with him speaks to the fact that, you know, not necessarily that he's calling in favors from famous friends, but more that they actually feel like that they, that, you know, they want to be a part of this project and that they actually, they believe in him and by their sort of faith in him, it gives me more faith in him. Uh, even though I do feel like in a few of the tracks, he does get, you know, wrapped under the table by, you know, your Danny Browns or your Bun B's. Um, I do think that he is getting better and that he is uh, establishing establishing himself in the right way now as opposed to camp, which was, for me, sort of campy in, in a bad sort of way. I, I will say that I thought that uh, Kilo Kish's track as well as um, Riz's track, uh, that would be Make It Go Right and um, American Royalty, I, th- I think those were two of the probably highlights of this uh, mixtape here. Um, you know, I, I do want to mention uh, that, you know, between the back track, which is Silk Pillow, which I thought was uh, actually quite good, and also the track that we played, R.I.P., uh, that actually uses a sample from a track by Kavinsky and uh, Love Fox from Can't Say They Sarah Sexy uh, that appeared on the soundtrack to the movie Drive. Yes. Uh, which was one of the things, it, it made that track one of the highlights for me. Mostly because of that. Yeah, I... I... When I started hearing that, I was like, all right, well, we know that uh, Glover's got a good taste in uh, movies. At the very least. At the very least. But how, how, did, how did you guys feel about the uh, Tina Fey cameo at the end? I, I think it was... Uh, she, uh, she nailed it. Like, she absolutely got the, the swagger and the bravado... Um, of the of the mixtape brag track, you know, where people are just talking and saying whatever, and then she she jumps right in, and then she even talks about what she's not going to talk about <laughs> because it's not in her uh, not in her wheelhouse, so to say. And and I thought it was it was it was very classy. It was done very well. It was interesting. It was an interesting. Uh period on the mixtape because I I don't know if it was distracting in a, in a bad way but it was definitely I I knew it was coming and even then it was like I I lift I, I had listened to like the entire album all the way through and then I got to that point and it was like oh there's Tina Fey So I I don't know like I think she 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 was fine like in it but it was 
I don't know. I, I don't think you can really criticize her uh, appearance in it one way or another because he's calling in a, a favor and he's like, it, it's sort of fan service to people who are like, oh, you know, he was on uh, 30 Rock or maybe maybe Tina Fey. He, he's always saying Tina Fey was one of his biggest supporters. And there's Tina Fey. So I think it's more fan service than, than any anything really... Yeah, like, I don't expect Tina Fey to show up and, like, rap tracks all over, you know? Like, no. obviously, it was because he name drops her, like you said, in, like, like every album. Yeah. So, I, I it, it was fine. It it's, didn't bother me so much as it was just sort of like an, oh, there she is. You, Chris? Uh, you know, I felt similar, uh... I feel like it was a good thing that it was at the very, very end of the entire thing. Sort of a good way to leave things is just with her in the last, like, 90 seconds doing her thing. And then it's kind of like, all right, I'm out. Uh, I think that was, if you're going to do something like that, that's the place to put it. Yeah. Uh, So I'm glad. And, and, And you know what? It was nice at the very least to hear Tina Fey doing something, getting a little weird, uh, in a sense, weirder than uh, we would normally think of her, just sort of, you know, throwing out F-bombs and making rhymes. So throwing us, throwing this back to uh, our show, uh, couple weeks ago here um have you guys heard the uh asap rocky uh pump up pumped up kicks cover i have not but that sounds very interesting i have yet to listen to it i am wary of listening to it (laughs) um chris i i won't say whether or not you're right to be wary i'm I'll, I'll let you you listen to it and, and figure it out, and uh, maybe we'll mention talk about it next week. Yeah, maybe maybe we will. But, um, well, speaking of uh, childish Gambino and um, whatnot, uh, Chris, you were at Lollapalooza last week. Uh yes, I was, and, and childish Gambino was performing one of the headliners if you will, playing a small stage uh, at the same time as Justice and Jack White. So it's up against two kind of heavyweights, one electronic heavyweight, the other a you know rock and roll heavyweight, and there he is doing hip-hop, his own hip-hop thing, sort of right in the middle on a smaller stage. Um, I was not able to see him, Childish Gambino, as a result of being committed to seeing Jack White. However... I heard some reasonably good things about his set. I know he also had like an after show, uh, which I also heard some pretty good things about. So, you know, people that really are are huge Childish Gambino fans aren't probably going to be saying a whole lot negative anyway. Uh, But uh, so good, good word coming out of Childish Gambino's set, uh, both of his sets that he had over the weekend. But mostly, you know, a lot of the stuff that I saw over the weekend was interesting and different and some of it was really really bad (laughs) and some of it was actually really really good 
Um, you know, one of, uh, one of the, a couple of the worst things that I saw, uh, as much as I don't like to knock the red hot chili peppers, I, I don't, I actually like their material to a point. Uh, I think that what they've done most recently hasn't been great, but I do think that they deserve to be doing better or they should be making better music than what they are making. And the loss of John Frusciante has hurt the band. Uh, Anthony Kiedis, when he was doing their headlining set on Saturday night, seemed to forget some of the words to some of the songs, which is never a good sign. Uh, and he was a little flat and off key. Well, they have a pretty big library, you know? Like, like they have a lot of songs in their discography. Yeah, but... You know, I don't know necessarily that you forget the words to suck my kiss. I, I was totally kidding, by the way. There's, there's <laughs> zero defense for that at all. Uh, I mean, he's getting older, but he's not that old yet. Uh, and I know he's had a lot of uh, history of drug use, but still. Uh, you know, some of the stronger sets that I saw over the weekend, uh, there were some really good stuff. You know, Jack White was excellent on Sunday night. He is probably one of the 10 greatest living guitarists around, I think, these days. And it's just impressive to watch him work. He has both a, a male band and a female band, and he sort of split the set down the middle with both of them. And both both those bands actually have musicians in them that I really admire. Uh, in his female band, he has Carla Azar, who is the drummer, and she's also in the band Auto Lux, who I like quite a bit. Uh, in his male band, he's got Ike Owens on uh, keyboards, and uh, Ike is sort of a music industry legend, but he's most recently been playing with the Mars Volta, uh, and so it was really good to see both of them playing along with Jack White. Uh, just the collection of talent during that set was supremely impressive. Um, on Friday, uh, there were some really good sets. Uh, the Afghan Wigs coming back sort of as a reunion thing. Uh, Greg Dilley is a guy that I really admire in terms of a musician and a singer. And he's recently, I guess, given up smoking, which has really helped his vocals out a lot. He sounds a lot better. Like he, his head's about to explode sometimes, uh, with such ferocity. And it, it was a really good set. Uh, one group that I would never call myself a fan of but who I saw anyway because I felt like their their live show was going to be amusing was uh, D. Antward are, are either of you guys familiar with D. Antward? I am. I've heard of them. Yeah, they're they're from South Africa and they, they do their own hip hop thing uh, sort of thing. It, it's sort of a mixture of hip hop and electronica and they're really, really weird-looking people, <laughs> among other things. And I went and caught a bit of their set and was just riveted the entire time. They were running all over the place, stage diving, and really sort of spinning tracks up into these huge, big like build-ups and then breakdowns. It was actually kind of thrilling to see, uh, even though I don't particularly call myself a fan. Uh, other than that, you know, Passion Pit was great. Uh, singer Michael An Angelakos uh, has been having some mental health issues. This was their actual first tour date in a while. 
because uh, he's been dealing with that. He, they actually canceled some tour dates leading up to Lollapalooza because of his mental health treatments and things that he had going on. He's bipolar. Uh, Black Sabbath uh, was a big one, big name out there, but they were actually dwarfed in, in a lot of ways by the Black Keys, who were playing on the opposite side of the park. I didn't go and see the Black Keys because I've seen the Black Keys like three times, and they're fine live, but Black Sabbath is one of those things. It's their only North American tour date. It was their only, you know, their the last show on their schedule for the time being. So at this point, we don't know for sure that, I mean, they have recorded a new album, and I'm sure they're going to be back with a world tour, assuming that things go well enough. Uh, but Tommy Iommi, who's uh, the main guitarist for Black Sabbath, uh, was diagnosed with cancer and had some cancer treatments leading up to their reunion. And so he's been sort of out of it a little bit, and it, there's a possibility that he might not be able to do a tour. So to see him perform and to do extremely, extremely well on guitar, he was extremely impressive. And Ozzy was sort of Ozzy. You know, he kept yelling to the crowd, I can't fucking hear you. And I was thinking, you know, with your age and the fact that you've been played in so many rock shows, you probably can't hear us. Uh, but, but Ozzy's Ozzy and he was a lot of fun. And they kind of, you know, did a little bouncy type thing. It was a very good set uh, from Black Sabbath. Uh, Frank Ocean was performing. We talked about Frank Ocean last week on the show. And I want to say that I was only able to catch a little bit of his set. He was actually, what, what happened on Saturday was there was a bunch of severe storms that rolled in and they actually evacuated Grant Park in its entirety, which was a big deal because they've never done that before. I've sat through many a rainstorm at Lollapalooza, but I've never actually had to evacuate before. And so during that time, during the evacuation, they actually restructured uh, the bands that were going to be performing and they extended the curfew past 10 PM. Now I had a, uh, I had a after show to go to Jane's addiction, Franz Fernand after show to go to. And so I had to get out of the park by like 10 o'clock. And since the curfew was extended, I wasn't able to see everything I wanted to see because I had to go to this after show. So I only saw about 15 minutes of Frank Ocean's set, which was extremely good. Uh, definitely one of the highlights of the weekend. Uh, also, a couple other highlights. Seeger Rose was fantastic. I was very upset that they scheduled them for the middle of the afternoon on Sunday. Yeah, that was a random. Yeah, I felt like if they're going to be playing, they should be playing in the darkness. And while they don't have to headline a big stage, they could at least headline a small stage. Uh, at night, and that would have worked out well, but uh, they did not do that. And even though I'm happy to report that their set was every bit as magical as it probably would have been at night, I it's was in, yes. It's a, it's interesting because like I feel like they've they've really established themselves as a fairly popular band, and so for them to be playing relatively early in the day, like just doesn't seem to make much sense to me. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm giving them more credit than they should, but I, I feel like they're a fairly major band and 
it generally goes that that the the bigger the band, the, the later they play. But yep, yep, I completely agree with you. And so I don't know what their logistics were in scheduling them at like four o'clock in the afternoon, but there, there was a nice breeze blowing through amid the sun, and you know having their music being played in such a large field was a really good thing uh, because you normally get to hear them in a theater and it feels almost like their sound is too big to be held inside a theater. And so that that outdoor atmosphere with the huge park behind you was like, this is where you, in nature, sort of, is where you need to be hearing this music. And that really helped bring it to life even though it was middle of the day. Uh, And and finally, I do want to give some uh, credit to At The Drive-In who are a band that I loved back in the early 2000s their album Relationship of Command was sort of one of my formative records and they broke up right after that album came out and went off to form the Mars Volta and also uh, Sparta are the two bands that came out of At The Drive-In well now they've sort of gotten back together for a reunion tour of sorts Really, more of what it is is they're cashing in. They've pretty much said, we're only playing shows if we get offered enough money to play a show. So, you know, they're cashing in, but the fact that they actually put on a good show is one important part of that. And they, I thought they put on a great show. Uh, Cedric Bixler Zavala, who's the vocalist for At the Drive In, the lead vocalist, he runs around the stage like a madman. Uh, he throws the microphone stand everywhere. He jumps off of drum risers. He will, you know, and, and he was doing like comedy routines in between songs. He would say like, oh, you know, I, I've decided to change, change my name. I'm now going to be called Cedric Lyon and I'm going to start a reggae career because uh, Snoop Dogg has changed his name to Snoop Lion. <laughs> and, and Snoop, by the way, claiming that he is the reincarnation of Bob Marley now. So that's true. Good for him. Uh, so, you know, if anybody was the reincarnation of Bob Marley, it would probably be Snoop Dogg. <laughs> Quite possibly. I think he's uh, his own walking anti-drug campaign now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that, that basically sums up my Lollapalooza experience, the highlights, the lowlights, uh, you know, Grant Park was muddy after the rainstorm on Saturday and stayed muddy for the rest of the weekend. Probably came close to ruining my shoes. But uh, I didn't get rained on at all. And other than that, the weather was pretty nice. So uh, compliments all around to uh, everybody involved with Lollapalooza trying to do the best job that they could uh, in spite of some conditions and some really good music over the weekend. Awesome. Well, it looks like... That's all we had planned. So, um, I guess, uh, I don't know, we'll get back together and do this again next week? Possibly? Catch you all on the flip side. <laughs> yeah, I guess we'll do it again. Alright, maybe. <laughs> Alright, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks for listening.